Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Since its inception, Freedom Forum Radio has focused primarily on issues related to the philosophy of governance and specifically our nation's constitution and the natural law rights that it protects and secures for each of us. And we will continue to do so. But the mention of natural law rights, which are given to each of us by dint of our humanity, suggests and requires consideration of our Creator, who gave us those rights and also gave us life itself in a world of his creation. In an increasingly immoral and troubled world, what could be more important than a conversation about God and morality, a study of his word, and an understanding that each of us is part of his divine plan? My partner in this endeavor is Pastor Brian Serrani, pastor of Calvary Chapel Mountainside Church in Murphy. And this is our outreach crusade for God. Pastor Brian, who is God? Well, that, that's, a, that's a big question, Dr. Dan. Who is God? I think there have been a lot of people asking that question throughout the centuries. Uh, of course, a lot, a lot of people smarter than me, maybe not smarter than you, I don't know, but uh, theologians, philosophers, um, even, even people who are skeptics asking that question, who is God? And so when you ask a loaded question like that, I'm going to do my best to answer it. I'm by far the expert. I'm by far a scholar. But, um, but I do believe in God, and, uh, and I think it's a, it's a good, healthy discussion to have just exactly who is God. Now, the fact of God's existence, I think, is so evident. It's evident through creation, and I think it's also evident through man's conscience. I think as, as men women, we have this conscience, and, um, and there's something inside of us that calls out for something more. I remember hearing uh, somebody say, every man has a God-shaped hole in their heart. You've probably heard that before, and, and we try to fill that with lots of stuff, whether that's money, whether that's pleasure, uh, whether it's through relationship, whether it's through study of uh, trying to figure things out. We try to fill that up, but the only uh, person being in the universe that can fill that is God himself. And it's interesting, the Bible, and of course, when I'm going to talk about God, I'm going to talk about God from the perspective of the Bible, because I believe the Bible, and we'll talk about that in another another time of what the Bible is and how we got it. But 
the Bible tells us and reveals to us who God is. And it's interesting, the Bible, it never attempts to prove the existence of God. The Bible simply assumes his existence from the very beginning. In Genesis 1-1, we have, in the beginning was God. And so right from the beginning, we've got this assumption that God exists. Uh, But what the Bible does do is it reveals to us God. It reveals to us who he is, his nature, his character, his work on earth, uh, specifically in the lives of men and women. And so when you ask the question, who is God? I think if I had to define God, let me give you a definition. I wrote it down here. And I think if I, obviously, I think to try to completely define God would be pretty arrogant. I don't think there's anybody who can completely do that. Uh, nobody really can do that because nobody has complete knowledge or complete understanding of everything. Uh, nevertheless, um, all the knowledge and all the understanding that exists, of course, is with God. And so we do have the Bible as well, and the Bible shows us who God is. It's his word, and we can learn about God through the Bible. But if I had to give a theological definition of God, as I see it in the Bible, as I see it in his word, I'd say something like this, that God is the self-existent, supreme creator, sustainer, and ruler of all that is, seen and unseen. He's perfect in all his ways, and he has revealed himself in three persons, and this is where we get the concept of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, On our website, our church website, um, if you would go out to it, you would see uh, in our statement of faith, we said we believe in one God, eternally existing in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all equal in power. And when it comes to the Trinity, that's one of those, uh, that's one of those tricky cr- concepts to grasp. We could go through Scripture, and we can see different, different areas of Scripture where we can see the Trinity, but it is a difficult thing to, to grasp. And I think one of the reasons it's difficult is because there is nothing else like it. Now, if I told you, hey, there's a tree in my yard, you would, you would have an understanding of what a tree is. And then if I told you it was a pine tree, then you'd have even a better understanding. And then if I told you, well, it's this particular kind of pine, and I don't know too many, maybe spruce or whatever, right? Uh, And then maybe if you knew trees, you would know exactly the kind of tree. The problem with the Trinity is, is, and when people try to explain it, they always say, well, it's kind of like, and they'll talk about an egg. An egg has a shell, a yolk, you know, and the white part of it. It's three in one. But that doesn't totally, you know, do it. Doesn't totally explain the Trinity. Um, but when you try to explain the Trinity, and you say it's kind of like a, a, well, there's nothing else like it. There's only one. There's only one God, and there's only one Trinity. Trinity, and so difficult to, I think, to completely describe it. However, the Trinity is the only way you can explain the three persons of the Godhead as we see them in Scripture and throughout Scripture. And I think it's also, I, I remember the words when it comes to who is God. Uh, I remember the words in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. And then in the New Testament, Romans says, oh, the Romans eleven thirty three, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And when it comes to God, obviously there are some things we can never completely understand. Um, and I'm okay with that because God is God and I am not. You know, it's interesting. The concept of the Trinity is something that is really misunderstood 
and so many people have different so many different versions or explanations for it it's that's why it's so misunderstood because you can't get a straight answer but from what you've said it seems to me that the tr- that god is that the trinity is is god and that he's just three manifestations is what you said three manifestations well, of god so if you use the egg as the analogy the entire egg is god the Son and the Holy Spirit, because it is it is one, right? And it's and, and I've heard the analogy before. It's like water. Water can exist as a vapor. It can exist as a solid, which would be ice, and it can exist as a liquid. However, again, it's a decent um, illustration, but it doesn't completely explain it. Because here's what we do know, though: we see that in the Bible, we see God as Father, and we see that throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. And so we have this one God, and and, and, and Scripture is very clear. There is only one God. The Trinity is not three gods. It's one God. God, um, like you said, manifesting himself in three different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit all doing things that only God can do. And so the only way to explain how God has revealed himself to us and again, people much smarter than me, theologians throughout the years have come up with this. But as I look at Scripture, I see the Holy Spirit doing things only God can do. I see, I see the Son doing only things that God can do. And of course, you see the Father, the Godhead, as we would call him, doing only things that God can do. So it makes sense that we see God in this trinity. When you can't continue to ask that question, who is God, though, he has, he has revealed himself to us. And uh, again, through Scripture, and one of the things he's revealed to us is his nature. And we see, we see God's nature throughout the Bible. One of the things that we see is God is spirit, so he's intangible. In other words, we don't see God with our eyes necessarily. We see, so how do we see God? Well, um, one, there's a Scripture that talks about uh, opening the eyes of our hearts. Uh, we see God with our faith. You know, Paul said we don't walk by sight. He said we walk by faith not by sight. And so that's how God has revealed to us. He is the Spirit. He's revealed himself to us in a way that we can see him with our faith. We also know, again, God is that one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Another thing about God, he's incomparable. There is, there is no other God, and so there's nothing you can compare him to. I know a lot of people, they look at God and Satan, and they see these two opposing you know, beings that are kind of going at it in some kind of cosmic battle. But that's not what's happening at all. Satan is a created being, created as an angel. His name was Lucifer, who has now fallen. Um, God is the creator. And so there is, there is no, like, opposite of God. He's incomparable. He's also unchanging. He is, he's never changed. He, he hasn't changed from the beginning, and he will never change in the end. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you've got this unchanging being, which is interesting because everything that we know is changing. Um, our earth is changing. Um, our, 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 the way of life is changing. Culture is changing. I just came from an eye doctor. My eyes are changing. I can no longer see without help. And so everything that we have in life is changing. But God never changes. And it's interesting because as science tries to figure things out, uh, what I've found over the years is science has changed all the time. God has never changed. His word has never changed. And so we see in his nature, he's this being who is unchanging. We also see he's a being who is, we could say, he exists everywhere. Now, theologians have given this term omnipresent to God. He is 
everywhere all the time, again, uh, to try to explain how that works. I can't do that because there's nothing else in the universe that can do that, just just God. He knows everything, or he's omniscient, so he has all knowledge. Um, so, so that's the nature of our God. He's also all-powerful. In other words, he has all power and all authority under him. And we see that very clearly, all these things very clearly in Scripture. He's omnipotent as the or omnipotent, I like that, he's a potent God. He's a, he's a very strong, powerful, powerful God. And one other thing that God is, and there's more obviously, but he, he's infinite. Uh, God is eternal. And I love that because he has no beginning and he has no end. And again, that's a concept for you and I with our little brains as smart as we want to be, that's a concept that's very difficult to understand. But we have this revealed to us through his word. We see this is who God is. This is his nature. When we look at God, too, we also see um, the character of God in the Bible. It's, it's revealed to us uh, very, very clearly. We see that God is loving. You know, you hear people always say, well, God is love. And that's true. He is love. But that's not all he is. He's a lot of other things. Uh, we see uh, he's truthful. God cannot lie. He, he will never lie. We see he's been revealed as this thing called holy. In other words, he's perfect. There's nothing else like him. We also see that God shows compassion. He has mercy. He pours out his grace on people. And we also see that he's a just God. Um, in other words, he, he's a God who will judge sin, and, he, and he'll do that for us and to us because he loves us. And so we, we see that. And we also see that he's a God who offers forgiveness. He offers forgiveness of that sin, um, that same sin that as God he will judge. And so we've got this forgiving God as well. Does God, does the concept of God or has the concept of God changed over the course of human existence? Was God a vengeful God in the beginning and a just and forgiving God at the end, or was he always all of that? What yeah, do you think? Yeah, those are, those are questions that people, of course, have been asking. I, I just uh, read the other day, somebody says, as I look at the God of the Old Testament, I see an angry God. I see a, a vengeful God. You know? Yet now when I look at the God in the New Testament, we see a loving God and a kind God and a merciful God. To the point where some people would like to throw out um, the Old Testament, right? And they would like to get rid of all of the things that have happened in the Old Testament and only accept what's going on in the New Testament. Um, however, if it is true that God has not changed and, and he, he's never changed, um, then we have to somehow reconcile the two. And I think the way you do that is you realize that you have from, from the beginning of time Till right now, you have an unfolding plan that God has put together, that he has been unfolding throughout the centuries, and it's been woven all together, and it works all together, theologically as well as practically. As God began, of course, we know um, in Scripture, as he began with the nation of Israel, of course, he began with creation, but as he began with the nation of Israel, and, and then throughout that history of that, of that nation till we, ha- we come now, we see God working out a perfect plan through it all. And so God, will, is, God is just as much of a judge today as he was back then. One thing that has changed, not that God has changed, but within the plan that has changed is now God has sent his son. 
And we are now living in what we would call this dispensation or this age of grace, where grace is now offered through Jesus Christ, through what he did. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter's coming up, right? Through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection, he now offers forgiveness of sins. And, and, and so we see that now uh, unfolding before our eyes. Same God, the plan just is now unfolding. You know, if you read a book like The Harbinger, however, the thesis of that book is that God's retribution is still active today and that we as a nation are being punished the same way as in Isaiah the Israelites were punished uh, back in the Old Testament days because we have fallen from God, we have fallen from God's grace, and he knows that, and he will punish us for doing that. Well, here's the the interesting thing. Um, I would say this. I've read The Harbinger, um, and I will say that The Harbinger is a book written by a man. The Bible is a book written by God, and so I'm going to always veer back to the Bible. Not that I, I read the Harbinger, and I think there's a lot of good things that were said in that. Here, and here's why I go to that. God is still the same God. Judgment will happen. The difference is, is now there's this thing called grace offered through Jesus Christ uh, to all of mankind. And so um, you could say that in the Old Testament, if you, if you go back and you look at the way they set up the tabernacle and eventually the temple, you see all of those things were pointing to... Um, sacrifice and blood being shed and forgiveness of sins. The difference is with the Old Testament law, that had to be done over and over and over again. Scripture tells us that when Jesus came, he was the final sacrificial lamb. It was once and for all. And so that's why we don't, we no longer need all of those uh, ritual sacrifices today because now we have Jesus Christ. However, people can reject Christ. And when you do reject Christ, then you will not have that forgiveness of your sins. And then the judgment of God will come. But you know that in the Harbinger, there, was a, there is a lot of historical parallel between Isaiah 9:10, what happened 500 or so years before the birth of Christ, and what happened here in this country in 2001, you know, September right. 11. And that is the parallel that is drawn between Isaiah 9:10 for... The, the, the Israel, you know, of the Old Testament, and us today. Right. I think what we have to do when it, when it comes to anything like that is just be very, very careful with making analogies. Um, although, again, I read the, the Harbinger, very eerie coincidences, if you will, you can call them that, and there's no doubt that um, God's judgment is still in place. But here's what I would say. The heart of man hasn't changed either. Um, when it comes to when it comes to sin, we are just as sinful today as people were two thousand years ago and five thousand years ago. The heart of man has not changed, and so when as we continue to move through history as god 's plan is unfolding, we have to realize that we are all still sinners and, and, and the Bible says that sin what sin does is it actually separates us from God and when when we sin, we are now separated and we separate ourselves by doing that from God. And so, and so because that hasn't changed, um, God's judgment is still intact. God's judgment is still in place. It doesn't matter if it's the United States of America that's rejecting God or if it's France or if it's England or if it's Russia. I don't, what I don't want to do is I don't want to come and say we can now take all the parallels and just apply them to our country. No, you can apply this to all mankind. As mankind sins, we continue to reject God. The cool thing is, though, is God has now made a way 
and his name is Jesus Christ, and in him we can find forgiveness of those sins. And as you said, he is the final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. That's right. And that's why he's called the Lamb of God. This has been a great discussion, and you have helped us answer in our minds and bring questions to our minds about who is God. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more questions than answers, and I'm sure uh, if anyone's listening to this now, they've got some ideas, their things are going through their head, and that's really great because that can happen. But I would encourage everybody, if you want to know who God is, uh, the way you do that is you go, you go to the Scriptures, and we see that God made a way for us to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's, it's when we place our faith in him, and, and when, we, when we give our, our lives to him, that we find forgiveness, we find eternal life. Pastor Brian Serrani, thank you so very much. Thank you. Everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Yeah.